This episode is brought to you by the YouTube channel Comic Pop. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. Hello everyone and welcome to Off the Rack, the comic book review show that comes out each week, well typically each week, where we talk about comic books that came out last week, tell you a little bit about what happened, and then kind of break it down between art and story, and then sometimes at the end we give you guys some recommendations. I'm Tiffany and today I'm going to be talking to you all about Detective 1000. Uh, now you might notice that Sal isn't here and Sal's really kind of the the in charge of behind the whole scenes here um, but unfortunately he is traveling uh, today he's over in Colorado and um, we didn't have off the rack last week because we were traveling then so we're doing it I'm doing it I'm gonna do off the rack we're just gonna kind of have like kind of a book clubby kind of off the rack here where we just talk about this one book there's a lot going on in here so I'm looking forward to diving into it with you guys I appreciate your patience with me so, uh, yeah, um, th for those of you who are watching us live, hello, welcome, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And um, don't forget, um, as Sal always says, uh, that the Super Chats down below are the best way to chat with me today. Um, so feel free to make use of that, it helps us out, it helps keep the lights on here, the lights they're like over there. You, you can't see it, but trust me, it's on and it's all thanks to you guys. And uh, for those of you who are joining us later on, either watching on the channel, thank you so much. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And uh, for those who are listening to us uh, on podcast networks uh, across the world, um, thank you so much. And uh, welcome new Spotify friends. If you didn't know, this, this show's on Spotify. It's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty cool. Anyway, um, let's let's jump into it. So this last week, Detective 1000 came out. The landmark issue, it says it right here. A thousand issues of Detective Comics have come out. And we got a 90 page, or 96 page book celebrating Batman, the Bat family, uh, detecting Bruce Wayne, Alfred, all of them, all in here from many, many talented writers and artists. But the question is, how did they each do telling a story that's super short? Some people do really, really well with that short form, like couple of pages story. They really can just pack a punch in very little. And some artists and writers struggle a little bit. So why don't we chat about that? But uh, before we dive into it, I did see we had a couple of early super chats. I am going to jump into those. Um, I'm going to try to hit them up in between us talking about stories. Um, we may not cover every single one in here. Well, maybe we will. I don't know. Let's just see where we go. Let's let's go on a little journey together. Um, Praise Yeti Forty. Thank you for your uh, super chat saying, yeah, yeah. Bring on Tiff, Tiff hype. Well, thank you very much. I hope, I hope I live up to even a fraction of such hype. Um, Eat the horse. Thank you for your super chat saying King's story was uh, was good if you ignore the fact that some or all those characters are probably going to be brutally murdered by the end of his run, so that we feel Batman suffering or some shit. Um, we will get into some more Tom King. I'm definitely gonna be talking about that one today uh, a little further on. We're, we're gonna do that though. Gonna, gonna definitely do that. And uh, Flashpool saying, uh, thank you for your super chat, by the way. We don't want those lights to shut off. We really don't. We really don't. Literally, I, I came into the studio today. The bill was on the door. So I super appreciate it. Thank you guys very, very much for the support. Um, I want to start this off actually with the very first um, story that's in here, the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Batman's longest case. We kick off Detective Comics with a story that celebrates the detective part of Batman, the world's greatest detective. We get a whole story about Batman and how he's had this case from basically since he began being Batman, and he has been investigating it following breadcrumbs in his spare time, in his spare bat time, basically, um, traveling all over the world each time he thinks he's getting close 
closer, he finds another clue, and it's off to the next location. And this has been going on until finally he gets a clue that leads him back to, of all places, Gotham City. And he hopes, and he, like, just hopes to himself that desperately that this is the final clue that he'll finally have an answer, even though, honestly, at the end of the day, it is about the chase, isn't it? And when he finally reveals via a, a bookcase, a bookcase opens up because... You know what? We're going to go a little old school on this one, right? And there is this splash page just filled with characters that we know from the DC Universe. Detective Chip is there. Uh, Kendra is there. Hawkman. Jean. And a new gentleman by the name of Slam Bradley. I am not oh, like familiar with him, so if you are and he's not new, that's okay. I'm okay with that. But we're introduced to the Guild of Detection. The Guild of Detection, a creation by Snyder and Capullo, and Batman's finally been inducted into it. He finally cracked the case. And to be fair, Batman's been a little busy. Um, and Batman's a little thrown off by this. He's a little angry and upset about this. How how could why why would you send me on this merry chase? I don't I don't get it. Like I wanted I I I just wanted to like you know come here and get an answer. And he's just like, oh sure, no, you wanted an answer. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about the journey you went on. It's about the detecting part of it, the chase, the going from point A to point B. Um, and for me, where this kind of falls apart a little bit is actually those last couple of panels um, where Slam indicates to Batman that um, the reason he hadn't been inducted earlier, because Batman's kind of like, what? what? I'm, I'm Batman. I don't know if you know this, but like, why am I just being part of this now? I mean... Not for nothing, but he's like Martian Manhunter, you know. He's here, what the heck? Come on, John, why didn't you invite me? And um, Slam basically is like, you think that you're, like, old, but in terms of, like, mysteries, you're not. And Batman ends it with by saying, wow. And I'm like, okay, this is just a kind of, like, fun, lighthearted sort of, like, truly, truly detective romp um, in Batman's history. And of course it's drawn by Greg Capullo, so it looks great. Um, it's actually like very much, I feel like the, the coloring to it is like, it's lighter, but it has this kind of vintage feel to it. Cause the story in a way does have a vintage feel. And I kind of dug it. I definitely dug it. I liked it leading um, off this entire book. It's like, we're talking about detective comics here. Yes, Batman's in it. Yes, Batman's gonna punch people, but let's celebrate the detective. And I think they did a really great job. So cheers to them. One of my gripes about this though, um, between this and the next story we're gonna talk about, the Kevin Smith story, is actually not a fault of Snyder or um, Capullo or Smith or Lee. It kinda, for me, has to do with the editing and the publishing of this book because if you're reading this uh, in actual like physical copy, that end bat that's on that final panel, uh, it's really inside where the spine is and like where the binding is, and so you might miss it. And not that Lee and Capullo have exactly the same art by any means, but if you're not paying attention, which I guess I wasn't, I was like, wait, is this the same continuation? I, I is this this is a new story? Oh, it's a new story. Oh, okay, because. The, Sky, the Snyder Capullo credit page came at the beginning and the Smith uh, Jim Lee page or credits came at the end of their story. So took me a second. I figured it out, but I was like, mm, I kind of wish they'd done a little title there at the beginning. Would have been very helpful. But you know what? While we're talking about it, let's talk about Kevin Smith coming in to write Manufacture for Use, uh, of course, with art by Jim Lee. What a treat to have Jim Lee, uh, you know, doing some Batman here. It, it's incredible to look at. Uh, the whole book or this whole story is totally beautiful. 
Um, and honestly, it's Kevin Smith. I, I think the two of them just wanted to work together, have a good time. And Kev really does a good job of making uh, Jim Lee draw a lot of amazing action sequences in this. Kind of like, well, I've got Jim Lee. Why wouldn't I have him draw all these crazy sequences? Well, let's talk a little bit more about the story before we get into the art and um, something, again, that initially I kind of missed. And upon second read, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I really, really dug it. Um, this story focuses on, <laughs> well, basically matches Malone. Of course, Bruce is um, one of his alter egos, one of uh, the characters he uses sometimes to uh, insert himself into the uh, like crime world, you know, without having to be Batman, be able to, you know, a little more one-on-one, -on -one, a lot less, I'm gonna like, you know, potentially murder you, but not really, but you don't know that. And more like, hi, let's have a conversation in a back alley. Um, this time the idea is that in Gotham, there is something called the Gotham gift shop. It, it's basically a pawn shop, but if you know the right things to say and the right people to talk to, you can get into the back where this gentleman has collected all of these um, like keepsakes or items um, from criminals who have fought Batman. If there's a big fight that's gone on in, in Gotham City, this guy's got an item from it, unless it's like a super deadly thing or the police have it. But basically he has it and we're treated to a little page where it's just like, ooh, check out all the stuff that's in there, including like the Mad Hatter's hat and Kite Man's uh, glidery kite thing, among other things. Um, but basically Matches Malone is looking for something very specific. And he's just like, I'm not looking for any of this cosplay stuff. I told you what I wanted. Let's get right to the point. And the point is he's looking for guns. And uh, the guy pulls open a drawer. He's like, ah, a man who knows what he's looking for. He goes on to explain a couple of the guns that he has there. And then um, he picks one up and uh, he says like, oh, do you know what this one is? Like, you remember the Waynes murder? Well, this is the gun that killed the Waynes. That poor kid, whatever, but like, this is it. And then like, matches Malone's like, Wayne, like Wayne Enterprises? This is the one that killed them? Fine. The guy asks a thousand, he, <laughs> Bruce, or matches Malone, highballs him, he's in 1500, and walks away with the gun. He now has the gun that killed his parents. Well, at least supposedly, but you know what? For the sake of this comic, we're going to assume that that's the gun. Um, he returns back to the Batcave. He puts it into a case for a second and Alfred shows up, but he's just like, listen, I get it. You were collecting things and that is a part of Batman's history. Batman used to collect um, trophies from those that he fought or defeated. And uh, he's like, I get it. You know, we brought the giant penny in. I threw up my back. You got a big dinosaur. That's totally cool. Anyway, I don't think it's right that you have the gun that killed your parents in the cave. That's not what this is all about. It's just gonna like ruin your life again, just sitting here looking at it. And Batman's like, here's the thing. That's not what this is all about. Yes, like this gun like ruined my life and it changed everything. And it's this stupid hunk of metal that took away everything. But I'm gonna take this and turn it into something very positive. And he takes the gun and he melts it down and he turns it into a plate, which he then forges into basically armor that he can put behind the emblem of his suit, which is awesome. And we see him at the end of the night or at the end of all of this saying like, you know, the same metal will protect my heart as a man and that is justice. And I'm like, that's really cool. Now, reading this story, I'm just going through it and I'm like, all right, yeah, we got Jim Lee drawing all these crazy fights. He's fighting like Zaz and Catwoman, Killer Croc, Scarecrow, Harley, Bane. You know what I mean? Like all these characters and I'm like, Sure, whatever. It's just really fun, interesting, like, fights. All right, we're talking to a guy, obviously, who who owns a pawn shop, who, you know, has items from these fights, but I didn't really get the juxtaposition. 
I totally got it on second read. If you look at each panel, unless you already saw this, um, each of the villains that Batman is fighting is attacking him in the chest, in that emblem. And it's foreshadowing as to what is going to happen with that gun. And I was like, and it all comes together in a nice, tight, needy package. It's perfect. It's just so, so good. And it's so much fun to see Jim Lee just going all out because he's only telling it in a few pages. So just really cool. Really, really cool. Had a fantastic time reading this story. Just enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, let's uh, roll on down. You know, we'll, we'll do the next one. Because the next one I actually enjoyed way more than I thought I was going to. The next one is The Legend of Newt Brody, written by Paul Dini, with art by Dustin Nguyen. Nguyen? I apologize. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, but this story was really great. I, again, I, I enjoyed this one. Um, I wasn't sure what to make of it at first, but as we were going along, I started piecing things together. This felt like a lost episode of Batman, the animated series. This seriously to me felt like, you know, the episode almost got him. That's what it felt like. Um, it was just this really fun, like expose on this henchman by the name of Newt Brody, who has worked for all kinds of villains, but he's one of the worst henchmen ever. He's just really bad at his job. Just pretty much the worst that he could possibly be. Um, and we get basically these interviews with different characters. Like Harley talks about a story where he totally screwed up and ended up like hitting Harley in the face and getting Batman the detonator for a bunch of like bombs that the Joker had set. So totally failed in that. And the Joker shot him a whole bunch and he should have died, but I guess he didn't because then he went on to like totally ruin a caper for Kite Man and Mr. Freeze. And then he ends up with the Mad Hatter who's just like, all he had to do was watch the door and he totally fell asleep and we all got caught. It was a simple, simple bank job and he's just the worst. And I wish I had killed him, but I didn't. He escapes at some point from jail and off he goes. Uh, we talked to the Riddler who tries to take the high road. He's just like, actually, it was kind of funny what he did. It was absolutely okay. Um, and um, he's like, you know what though? At the end of the day, I really wish I had killed him because he had Batman trapped in this ever moving maze. And um, there is a kill code that uh, will save the six hostages that are, that are within the maze. And um, he wants the kill code, only the Riddler has it. He grabs Newt Brody, Newt immediately gives up the code. And he's like, how did you get the code? He's like, well, it was in your jacket pocket and I read it and I memorized it in case you lost it. And so he ruins that caper. Poison Ivy convinced that she killed him, um, talks about how he basically destroyed her lab, killed all of her plants and she thinks she killed him. And he, there's no way he's coming back from that. And it's revealed at the end that, of course, Newt Brody has been played by almost the entire Bat family. They always um, take turns playing it. Alfred's played him. Um, Barbara has played him. Uh, Dick's played him. And they've all taken their shots at basically screwing over the crooks from the inside out. And I thought that was just such a fun Paul Dini-like twist. And of course, at the end, Damien doesn't want to retire the character just yet, even though he just had this big expose because he wants his shot at it. Just a lot of fun. Um, again, very lighthearted and uh, very much like the animated series. So if you're an animated series fan, that might have been your favorite. You know, we'll talk about that at the end, who, who everybody's favorite or which story was everybody's favorite. Um, so, uh, all right, let, I'm gonna go down into the uh, super chats really quickly uh, to Micronic or Micronic. 
Uh, thank you so much for your super chat saying, Bad Family Photo was the best thing in the book. We will get to that. That's part of the Tom King story. We'll totally talk about that. Um, Adam Azamoa saying, oh, thank you so much for your super chat, by the way. Hey, Tiff. I know I'm not the first, but you guys are still awesome. I just read I Am Giant after some uh, very close to me passed away. I'm so sorry for your loss, um, but I'm so glad that you did find that book. Um, it's just an amazing, amazing cathartic read. Um, thanks for the recommendation for a great book and everyone should read it. No, I absolutely agree. And it finds everybody, I think, at, at a good time in their lives. And I'm really glad you found it. And I, and I hope things get better. And don't forget, you are stronger than you think you are. So um, keep plugging along. Um, and then also, um, Master Rants. Thank you so much for your, uh, your super chat. I'm so used to saying cheer. It's a super chat. Um, agree with that feeling like the animated series. I cracked up reading it. Also, Slam Bradley is the protagonist in Detective Comics number one. Thank you so much for that excellent history tip. That's incredible. And it also makes total sense. Snyder, huge fan of history. It would make sense. He would totally go back to Detective, but still put his own spin on things by creating the Guild of Detection. So... <laughs> That's, yeah, that's very much, very much him. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about the Batman's design. That's a Warren Ellis story with art by Becky Cloonan. Um, oh, hang on. Let me talk real quickly about Dustin's art on the last story real quickly. I thought it was a perfect fit. It had a very animated feel to it, which I think suits Paul Dini. Now on to Warren Ellis uh, with the Batman's design. Again, I'm not going to dive too much into this. This one's more of a... Um, I don't want to say noir because it's not quite that, but it does have a lot of uh, narration and monologuing kind of going on by Batman. Um, it's very much a, a strategic romp through a, like Batman's evening, chasing a car full of guys. He leads them exactly where he wants them to. He's got the whole like warehouse rigs with non-lethal um, deterrence that will certainly put these bad guys in quite a bit of pain, but that won't kill them. They make sure to mention that to us because there are a lot of explosions in this. And it's almost like a chess game or like a game of risk um, with Batman. I don't know how I feel about this one. Uh, it was fun, but like it, I, I, I think it lacked for me um, the emotional punch and or character development that we see in some of the other shorter stories. But it is an action-packed romp. Um, Becky Cloonan definitely gets to draw a lot of explosions in this one. So um, if you are looking for some explosions, this might be the story for you. Um, and I, I believe uh, Warren Ellis has not written uh, all that much Batman. So this is kind of interesting. Uh, he's written a little bit, but it's kind of interesting to see his uh, take on it. And I think, again... When, they, when these guys get these assignments, I'm, I'm guessing they have the opportunity to do whatever they want. This is the story uh, Warren Ellis wanted to um, to tell. Uh, I'm not saying it's not a good story. Just for me, it wasn't one of my tops. But I thought it was like really cool looking. And I loved the coloring in this one. So great. So, so great. Um, so, oh, and uh, let's see. Down in the super chats, Mr. Roboto. Thank you for your, uh, your your super chat there saying, I'm like, no, Sal. No, Sal is traveling right now. And since we didn't have author act last week because we were both traveling, I was like, we got to do something. I do wish that he were here so we could have a discussion about this because I have a feeling we'd agree on a lot of the points in this book. And I think we would have some interesting um opposite opinions on some of the stories in this book. Um, maybe we'll do another like recap next time we do Off the Rack and saying, uh, Mr. and Mrs. X, will they last? I would love to know because for some reason, and I've been buying them via Comixology, I cannot get the purchase to go through. So no spoilers on Mr. and Mrs. X. I just literally, I can't give them my money. I just want to give them my money and they won't let me. <laughs> I think I'll have to try it one more time. 
Um, now let's uh, go down to uh, Return to Crime Alley. Written by Denny O'Neill with art by Steve Epting. Now, Steve Epting's art for me is like really, really cool. It has a really uh, moody, like gritty, grungy, illustratory, very lived in kind of world to it. Um, there's also this like really cool retro effect that they have done with the coloring. You see a little bit of that um, halftone dot kind of going on in the background. Just very interesting, interesting to look at. Overall though, the story, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, obviously, uh, Denny O'Neill has a different interpretation of Leslie Tompkins than I do. And um, I just, I, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, that's your interpretation. It's not necessarily incorrect, but it's not, it doesn't jive with mine. So it's like giving me a little, you know, conflicting feelings here. Um, Batman is basically on his way uh, to Crime Alley. It's the anniversary of his parents' death. He goes to do his standard, um, you know, evening's event, uh, joined by Leslie. And, um, you know, she basically kind of lets him have it that like, he's got to let it go and that like, he's too miserable. And then like these punks show up who like stole a gun and some Halloween masks and they try to take her bag. And um, they don't think it's really Batman. Batman, of course, like, you know, takes him down. And Leslie freaks out that like he is, has gone too far and that like, you know, he, she feels badly for them. And that like, but at the end of the day, she's like, no, I feel bad for you. And it's like, but these kids seriously did have a gun and were running around the streets of Gotham. And honestly, someone could have gotten really hurt. So I'm not really certain what Denny O'Neill is trying to say with this issue. Um, it just, it wasn't really for me. Uh, but the art in this, I thought was really great. You see, even in a couple of the uh, backgrounds of the panels, it looks like there's a fingerprint, like um, sort of like texture back there. And I was like, that's cool. Going along with the detective theme. Um, just just not a huge fan on this one, but at least it was nice to look at. And uh, so those who did dig it, you know, like, you know, if you want to give me a send over a chat over there, uh, letting me know why you loved it. I, I would totally like to know because again, this one just didn't didn't hit for me. Didn't I didn't connect with it at all. Um, then we move on to another story, uh, Heretic, Christopher Priest, Neil Adams. Fun to see Neil Adams doing Batman again in the classic blue, gray, yellow Batman suit running around. Makes me, of course, like now that I, you know, thinking about it for more than a moment, um, Barbara Gordon's current suit kind of reminds me of the Neil Adams Batman suit. Obviously, hello, I'm a little behind on everything. This story is really just about the um, League of Assassins, the fact that like Bruce Wayne was one time over in uh, Lhasa or La Lhasa and uh, totally got like waylaid, lost his wallet. So one of the kids grabbed it, learned about capitalism, but also didn't believe in what the League of Assassins was doing, tried to escape. And they're trying to shut that down. It's all Bruce Wayne's fault. And that's really who they're blaming. Um, the storytelling for this is kind of all over the place. And as much as it's cool to see Neil Adams doing this and like doing his thing, wasn't a huge fan of the coloring on this one. And like some of the pencils are a little rough, honestly. Um, but you know, hey, Raish slash Razal Ghoul, totally in this. Great that he uh, is here in Detective. And uh, yeah, I mean, this one I think is kind of middle ground for me. Wasn't like, I didn't, I liked it more than I liked the last one, but it's not one of my tops, honestly. Um, but I did want to mention it, that it's in there. 
Um, oh, eat the horse or eat that horse. Thank you so much for your super chat saying, no idea where Morrison didn't, uh, didn't get to do a story here. His and Tony Daniels run on Batman is what made me a fan. Uh, made me the fan I am. Wish they had done one more story. That would have been really cool. Um, I, you never know how these go down. It could just be they approach Morrison. Maybe he didn't have a story he could tell or wanted to tell right now, or he didn't have the time to do it, or uh, they didn't approach him at all. It could be any number of things, honestly. <laughs> um, let's see. What stories do we have left? I know one of them that we definitely... Uh, yeah, you know what? Most of the, we're, we're chatting. We're, we're just going through them all. We're just going to go through them all. The next uh, issue is I Know by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Alex Maleev and colors by Alex Maleev. Um, regardless of how you might feel about this story, I think this was some of my favorite art in this book, but I'm also a Maleev fan and I know he's not everyone's cup of tea. So I completely, completely understand folk not being into this art. But again, you want to talk about gritty, grimy, the dirty underbelly of Gotham City. Maleev totally nails that. Um, his, his work, his color work is just on point for me in this. And honestly, I just want to see more of his Mr. Freeze desperately. Um, Bendis presents us a story that for me was interesting but very obvious, and I, I the ending of it didn't surprise me even remotely. It was just like, if you know Batman, you know exactly where this was going. That's not a bad thing. Um, but I, I don't think he necessarily does anything in your ear that's like, oh my gosh, ah, but like very in keeping in character with the Penguin, which I really, really liked. Um, you know, recently over on Bat Issues, uh, Sal did a book that covered the Penguin. Penguin doesn't always get quite as much, um, face time, play time in the comics. So good for Bendis bringing him in. Literally get a lot of like classic Penguin stuff. We see him full on cobble pot, hat, umbrella. He's got penguins strapped with things. Oh yeah, it's the Penguin. Um, but this is basically, uh, Bruce Wayne in the far-flung future. Like, think Batman beyond possibly older age for, for Bruce here. And he's visited by a decrepit, even more so than what he looks like now, Oswald Cobblepot, who is like, I don't know if you recognize me, but I gotta tell you something, because at the end of the day, I know who Batman was. And I found out years ago. And he immediately tells him it was Bruce Wayne. He nails it. It's not like he like, thinks he's Batman or knows who Batman is, but he, he's totally wrong. He knows exactly who he is. And he's come to tell Bruce, like, ha, huh, I got one over on you. He explains how he figured the whole thing out about how, like, the Joker or the Scarecrow would, like, you know, gather people up, have meetings, try to figure out how to take down Batman together. Inevitably, they'd try to figure out who he was, the fact that he had to have some real life someplace. Who was Robin? He has to go to school. We could figure all this out. How could he afford all of this? And we see Cobblepot and like, this is like, I love Maleev's like just using the same panel over and over again as like Cobblepot's like, the gears are turning and like he's figuring it out. And he immediately like figures out, he's like, it's Bruce Wayne. And then we see um, the penguin tracing and following Bruce Wayne. And he sees him on this date with this like super hot like model. And then there's a crime and the bat signal goes off and all of a sudden Bruce Wayne's got to go. And he's just like, nailed it, got it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get all the penguins that I can and I'm going to strap them with all the bombs that I can and I'm going to take them to Wayne Manor. I'm going to blow the hell out of him and I'll have killed Batman. And isn't that awesome? And he totally did. He totally 
took everybody, went over to Wayne Manor, was absolutely going to do it. And then he realized that the only thing that was keeping him alive was Bruce Wayne. And that if he missed that, like, this was going to be a problem. And this is honestly where I think the best part of the Bendis story comes in is this examination um, through like Oswald Cobblepot's vision of what makes Batman Batman and that it's the persona of Bruce Wayne that keeps him tethered to humanity. And so because of that, Batman won't go and take that step into the abyss. He won't take things to the next level and possibly kill or worse. I don't know what could be worse, but he won't take that step. And if he killed or like set his bombs off and destroyed Wayne Manor, everybody in, there's a big party going on and Bruce Wayne died, Batman could then go on without that tether to humanity and potentially just wreak havoc on everything. And he realized that that was not something he could do, but he wanted to come at the end of Bruce's life and just tell him that he was smarter than him. At the end of the day, that's what this is all about, is that the Penguin is like, I'm smarter than you, all right? I win, I did it. And then Bruce uses a like chaser that's in his wheelchair and electrocutes him. And he tells him that he knew the whole time that he was the Penguin, or that, that the Penguin knew and that the Penguin was a coward. And he's just like, you know, Penguin's being dragged away. He's like, you said you couldn't, that, that you couldn't speak anymore. Ah, I can't believe this. And basically it ends with him being like, that was a good visit. And um, obviously at the end of this, you probably knew that Bruce would know that the Penguin knew he was Batman. There's almost no way it's the Penguin. Um, but again, what I really did like about um, Bendis's uh, approach to this was the idea that um, Oswald Cobblepot thinks that Bruce Wayne is the key to Batman not losing his his, his stuff, his, his, his mind, basically. I wanted to use another word, but I'm not. We're on YouTube. Um, <laughs> and honestly, for me, you just can't beat Alex Maleev's art. It's just such such a treat, such a treat to look at. Um, so I really enjoyed that, if nothing else for, than for how it looked and the, those little moments. Um, and again, very just very comfortable, easy-to-read story. Um, now we head on over to another future story, very different, obviously, um, totally different timeline here. It's The Last Crime in Gotham, uh, written by Jeff Johns with art by Kelly Jones. The last one, he's finally done it. Batman beat all the crime, all of it. He's good, he did it. So everybody can go home, we're good. We, we totally nailed it. Um, and we see a Batman who has a very different Bat family. We see a grown-up Damian Wayne. We see a Catwoman who clearly Batman is either married to and or has, um, you know, totally banged because they have a daughter um, who's like an amalgam of Batman and Catwoman at once. And there is, um, her name is Echo, by the way, and uh, there's a new uh, Bat-Hound there. And um, basically... The uh, bat signal's fired up. It hasn't been fired up in a really long time. Not like since they pretty much put away all the criminals. And um, Gordon calls him in and is like, check this out. It's a real messed up. It's a birthday party. And um, there's like 12 people there. They're all dead. They're all wearing holiday sweaters. So like immediately you're like, it's the birthday boy. It's um, Calendar Man. It's the holiday killer. It's none of these people. <laughs> Um, instead, again, we focus on the pseudo-detecting 
This is kind of more of a Sherlock Holmesian sort of detecting style where there's something that the writer knows he's not going to tell us so that Batman could be smarter than us. Um, but at the end of the day, they realize that there's a note there. Um, they pick up one of the um, individual's heads and um, it's the face of the son of the Joker. The Joker had a son or has um, basically someone who's followed in his footsteps, may not actually be a son, um, but they indicate, yes, that it is, that there's some sort of family involved there and that they're like, oh my gosh, the Joker did it. And it's like, nope, the Joker actually died last night. Turns out that the Joker's son um, ended up um, killing himself and a bunch of people because like he couldn't live in a world without his family. And like, if we're not for our family, then what are we? And at the end of this, um, Batman's like, we have destroyed all the crime. And he like basically takes out the bat signal, you know, getting rid of it entirely. And we see him in the bat cave all like with Alfred. And then he's left alone with a birthday cake. And I'm like, what does this have to do with family? You have a family and yet you're sitting down here with your prizes. Cause I guess that's Batman's family. I don't know. Seemingly you've gotten over this. And yet, I don't know. This story was a little uh bizarre for me and i'm not a huge fan of kelly jones's art let's be honest um he's done some really cool images in the past but i've not always been a fan and um certainly not a fan here uh it's just kind of all over the place anatomy is kind of wonky at best um the coloring does it zero f favors it's just it's not for me it's just just, it wasn't for me. Um, but hey, at least crime is done. Just You just put a pin in that. We're, we're good. We're, we're good. You know, 10 out of 10, no more crime. It's, it's good. We're, we're totally okay. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's just a, little, it's a little unfortunate there. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, we have another super chat uh, from JakeVader93. Thank you so much. Saying hello. Five bucks for the best comic channel on YouTube. You are too kind. Thank you so very much. Saying also DC uh, 1000 was good. It was good. I agree. It was good. It's good. It's totally, totally good. Um, let's go on to the next story, um, which I kind of enjoyed. Now, of course, I'm a little jaded. I'm loving James Tyne the Fourth writing Justice League Dark. So I was really geared up for this one. The Precedent, written by James Tyne the Fourth with art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, um, who I'm also a fan of. This is like a great team for me. And this is Batman, now we're going back in time. We're gonna go back, we're gonna go back, go back, go back. Um, this is Batman early in his career, shortly after the death of the Graysons. And it's uh, a conversation between Alfred and Bruce about the idea of bringing Dick in. And honestly, Bruce is second guessing himself. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. This is a bad idea. Like kids have got to go to school and like, what kind of life is this going to be? I don't understand. And in this version, Alfred's like, yeah, but like, this is the right thing because at the end of the day, you're going to be able to give him closure that no one else can. And so much more that you can't conceive of. Like from it, we see him friendship, romance uh, with Starfire there, which I, I love that nod. Um, it could have been Babs, that would have been cool too, but we see Starfire there. And um, just the adventure and the idea that um, Alfred has is that like having Robin there might also like reinvigorate the passion for adventure and like um, hope in Batman. Um, but, um, you know, we, we see like the potential of him getting older, becoming Nightwing. 
And the idea that at the end of the day, that with Batman's training, he could be as good as him, if not better, because he'll be forged in the light. And I, I just love this idea of like Alfred's support of this because he recognizes that um, Dick and Bruce need each other, but Bruce is concerned. Like, what, what about the others? And like Alfred doesn't know what he means. And he's just like, we are setting a precedent here. There are going to be others that we, like other young people who we look into the eyes of and we see that we have to do something. It's all about the growing of the Bat family, of course, whether you dig that or not. I really liked this conversation and like this kind of like almost sort of retconning moment. Dick, of course, has been swinging along on the chandeliers being the acrobat that he is. And um, he's just saying, look, here's the thing at the end of the day, I already know and I'm already on board. Like, let's go show them how we do this. And like, it's just such a heartwarming story and it's just fun to see everybody really happy. So um, just very nice. I think Tynan does a good job again in this short form. So, you know, kudos to him. Um, I love that last page splash page or that last splash page that they do that, that one full page, basically Batman and Robin, old school Robin with the pixie boots, you know, jumping into action. And we see him like being like basically sworn in by Batman into this whole crazy world that they live in. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, that's very, very cool. Um, so let's chat now about, we got two more stories left. Um, one of them is going to be indicating where detective is going and one of them is by Tom King. So let's chat about the Tom King story. Um, I went into this really not thinking about like either way, liking it or not. Um, oh, Hey, thank you so much for your super chat there. Super cliff. That's technically still in between the two stories. So I'm going to jump into that now saying, Hey Tib, hope all is swell. It is. It's very nice. I'm a little lonely here with no sound, but still, uh, heard you're digging doom patrol. Really, really am. Uh, finished episode six and such, and it's such a dope show. It is so dope. I really like it. Keep up with the great work. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for your super chat. Um, as a sidebar, yes, I am loving Doom Patrol. It's just so great over on DC Universe, the show. Um, yes, Robot Man looks a little funky. Um, there's something with the, the prosthetic that they're using. It's like, it's just, it's off, but trust me, once you get used to it, it takes kind of the first episode to just kind of get used to seeing him like that. It's just so much fun. It really is. I even got over the fact that Cyborg's connected to them. Totally got over it. I'm okay with it. This is a totally different Doom Patrol. All in. Anyway, um, let's talk about Batman's greatest case, written by Tom King with our by Tony S. Daniel and Joel Jones. Um... What I thought was interesting about this um, was the stark, stark difference. And again, this I thought this was a really good example of how to end one of the stories and start the next one. You get the the end, very obvious um, from the Tynan story, and then the DC Comics presents color cues, very obviously the bright orange, you know, light uh, between Bruce and Dick in the previous one to this stark gray and blue rainy day there. Um, and then uh, they decide to do the the credits like their movie credits. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. Um, so, okay. This is a fine story. This wasn't one of my, this wasn't my favorite at all. Um, but, um, it's, it's fine. There's a lot of banter in this. If you dig banter, you're going to dig this. If you in particular dug the banter between, um, Scott Free Mr. Miracle and Big Barda from Miracle Man, then, um, or Mr. Miracle. Wow. I'm all over the place. I'm a little tired. Um, from Mr. Miracle, Tom King's, you know, 
epic miniseries, then you're probably going to like the writing in this because the banter between the Bat family feels a lot like that. Whether it fits or not, I leave that up to you. Um, I thought it was okay. Um, at the end of the day, we get a lot of like uh, conversations that are going on over images of Bruce in the Wayne or in, in the rain in the rain um, going to a cemetery. Obviously, we're doing another anniversary of his parents' death kind of story. He goes to visit his parents. And then we cut to Nightwing and um, Damien chatting and like it's cute because they're kind of getting along via butting heads. Um, we see that the rest of the, the Bat family is there. Basically, everyone's been called out uh, over there. We got, you know, Batgirl, like, spoiler, Batwoman, uh, Duke's there, Red Hood. Um, everybody's there. Everybody's there. Huntress, Catwoman, Alfred, Ace. Um, they're all there. Nobody knows why they are present for that. They do make a joke about the fact that, like, crime must be running rampant right now. And um, it's... They're literally trying to figure out what it could be. Like, is Jason going to get kicked out? Oh my gosh, is it this? Is it that? I don't know. Like, oh, and like, it's just a lot of like fun conversation goes on in this. And then at the end of the day, it turns out the reason he called them was to use a batarang that he um, had used before to take a photo so that he can um, bring it to his parents' grave and leave it there as like a way of like showing them his new family which is lovely. This is a lovely story about that. Um, the photo that they uh, take is really, really fun. Um, you know, we do see the very serious Tom King Batman there surrounded by the more uh, fun-loving other characters. And um, there you go. Now, I'm going to just mention a couple of things that kind of like irked me about it. it might be me nitpicking. I don't know. Take it as you will or don't. It's up to you. I'm just going to tell you something that I did notice. I thought it was sort of weird that um, that Batman was going to take a photo of the entire Bat family, have Alfred Pennysworth in the photo, full on, here's my face, everybody else is in costume, and then leave said photo in a public cemetery. That was my only, like, that was one of my things where I was like, that just seems like a mistake because like probably nobody will find it but what if what if you watched bruce wayne go in there and you're like oh man let's go like take a picture of bruce like you're like a messed up person or you're like i'm gonna get like so many likes on like gotham Graham by taking a photo of like bruce wayne like mourning his parents oh what do he leave why does he have a picture of batman with his butler so I was like, it's a really bizarre thing because more than likely that wouldn't happen because as the writer you wouldn't let that happen but still i was like huh don't just don't leave it just don't leave it out um also one other thing i kind of wish that he had done um was you know typically we think of like batman's ritual of like the anniversary of his um parents death is to go to crime alley and to like take a moment there leave the rose just kind of have an introspective moment there um in this they mention the idea of the ritual and it being that the next day he's going to go to um the cemetery to see his folks fine that's cool i feel like king was almost there because like i feel like the point of his story is that like you know while he doesn't have his conventional nuclear family he does have one and maybe this could have been a, like a like an instance in which we see batman grow a little bit 
and that he doesn't need that ritual. But since they mention it and they do kind of change it, um, I, I don't know. I feel like it would have been better if they were like, like, if, first of all, it surprises me that none of the Bat family remember that the anniversary of uh, Bruce's parents being murdered has is, is upon them. Kind of surprises me. Um, <laughs> but um, the fact that, like, any of them, instead of saying, like, oh, it's his ritual and now he'll go and do this, could have been, like, <clears throat> you know, oh, it seems like instead of him doing this, he's taking a photo with us. It's a new ritual. We're almost there. We're almost there. Um, but overall, it, it was an okay story. <laughs> uh, we're almost, almost there. But still a fun, really fun image. Like, at the end of the day, you get a really cool, like, fun image of all the Bat family together. Um, Ace the Bat Hound making a great face there. Uh, I love Batwoman looking extra epic. She has, like, the most wind in her cape possible. So, cool. Very cool. Um, and now we're going to talk about the last story. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to hop on over to the Super Chats, where Kyle Johnson, thank you so much for your Super Chat, saying, Hey, Tiff, love the channel. and wondering, will you cover Mr. Miracle? Yes. Yes, we will. Absolutely. Um, I'm halfway through rereading it. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, we're going to be talking about that. Soon enough, not to worry. It's coming up. But there is a whole backlog of other things. But yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Thank you for your super chat again. Um, and then the final story in Detective 1000 um, is written by uh, Peter J. Tomasi with art by, hold on, I'm getting to the bottom here, uh, Doug Menke. Menk. Menke. That's how Sal says it, so I'm just, I'm just saying that. Um, but... Um, Basically, uh, this is kind of letting us know where Detective is going after 1,000. Um, this, this entire issue is just narration. And it's the narration of the character. Everybody knew it's coming. It's the Arkham Knight. Who is the Arkham Knight? The thought on everyone's mind, at least if you're reading Detective. Who is it? Lots of people have ideas. And I'm sure you guys in the chat have plenty of ideas who the Arkham Knight is, but um, this is just Tomasi ending this book basically the way they kind of did action where Bendis kind of had like a final say being like, and this is where we're going. Um, Tomasi does the same thing here. And uh, again, we get to see some really fun um, like fight sequences. I'm not a huge fan of the art on this one. Some of it's really cool. Some of it's a little shaky. Um, some of the coloring's pretty epic though. Um, but basically we get some some narration uh, about how um, close this individual has been to Batman and that the fact is it's like Batman whose fault it is because like, you know, he doesn't get that like these people just need help and that they just see things like the world differently. And like, we're talking about like the Joker, they're referencing and Killer Croc. Mr. Freeze, you get a pass, you get a pass. He's occasionally, depending on who's writing him, Mr. Freeze is just kind of a poor individual who can never touch his wife was in a tube forever um but that clearly the person who is narrating this Arkham Knight has a very different view delusional as it may be depending I guess on which like side you're on here um but that the idea is that the Arkham Knight is here and he's here to stay and that like he's going to be showing Batman like what for uh even at the end he says like say Batman as fast as you can. Just say it as much as you can. And like the idea that it becomes bad, bad man. He's a bad man. We don't want him anymore. And I'm going to show Batman true justice. 
And we see the Arkham Knight here with the, like, his crazy, like, almost Duke-like helmet, kind of. Obviously not Duke, but still. Um, and he's got a sweet sword. And I guess we're going to find out what Tomasi is going to be doing with the Arkham Knight. Who the Arkham Knight is. Um, I'm sure Tomasi will be holding out on that one for quite a while, building up the, um, whatchamacallit, the, the whole, like, you know, mystery behind it. It is detective after all, so there should be something of a mystery, right? Um, <laughs> so... There you go. That's Detective 1000. Um, in the book, you'll also find uh, some cool other art by other artists who weren't paired up with um, a writer, including Jason Fabic has a, a pretty amazing two-page double splash there. Um, just lots of characters there um, in some of their current incarnations and, and other incarnations of them. So really, really very fun to look at, honestly. Uh, the Mikhail Yannon piece, super amazing super like again very retro feel to it just really really cool i love seeing these artists just go for it um but yeah i honestly really had a great time with this book so many different stories um these kind of books get me excited it gives people the opportunity to um you know have a favorite and not feel like bad about it you know what i mean there's there's literally a i think a story in here for most everybody and everybody can have a favorite it's totally okay Nothing was totally terrible. Um, I'm not, again, my, my least favorite uh, was the Denny O'Neill one, I think, just because of how sort of out of character it was. Just wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, I really enjoyed so many of the stories in this. So much of the art. The art was so, so much fun throughout this entire book, except some of the times when it wasn't. Again, not a Kelly Jones fan, but I haven't hidden that from anybody. So if you are, I totally get it. He's a classic artist. So I agree. Kevin Smith's story, great. Snyder's story was great. Elements of the Tom King story, I really enjoyed. Elements of the Bendis story, I really enjoyed. Um, there are a lot of great notes in this, and it's a really fun celebration of not only Batman, but again, the family he comes from, some of his rogues gallery, um, and the idea of Batman being the world's greatest detective. We see a lot of that in this one. Um, so if you didn't get yours, you should go out and definitely pick it up. Uh, there's a lot of variants that go along with this, of course. Um, we just have the standard uh, Jim Lee one. Check it out. Looks pretty amazing. Um, now I'm going to jump on down into the Super Chats before giving a few uh, recommendations and kind of bringing this whole episode to a close. Um, let me see what do we got down here. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You guys are so, you guys are so sweet. So sweet. So kind. Um, thank you so much. Uh, the PR, that PR dude for your, um, <gasps> thanks Danielle. Uh, I'm going to jump back up there. Uh, thank you so much to Sam Anderson, uh, for your super chat saying crazy that three people tackled the bat family and Tynan was the one who nailed the point the best. Though I'm, I'm a Dick fan first, so bias. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, Tynan's story, definitely one of my favorites, really hit me just the right way. But that interaction and that sort of um, care and love that we see Alfred give to Bruce is definitely my jam. So I'm definitely biased in that sense. That's not everybody's, like, you know, cup of tea there. But for me, I really enjoyed that one too. Definitely. Absolutely. So thank you for your super chat. Now that PR dude, thank you for your super chat saying you are great, Tiff. Thank you. You're too kind. You're too kind. Uh, so happy to see you host today. Well, thank you. Again, we couldn't go two weeks without giving you guys an off the rack. That just would not be cool at all. That would not be dope. That would not be dope. That'd be like, 
anti-dope, which is like, I guess, good when you're considering other things. I don't know. But no, thank you very much. Uh, cash money in the bank. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your incredible super chat saying, any tips on buying comic art for display? There's little variety in prints and posters and often have big logos on them. Original art is way expensive. Would love something to hang at home. Sorry for the big question. You rock. That is not a big question. That's a great question, honestly. Um, I know your plight. I know your plight. That does tend to happen. Uh, a lot of cons are going to be your go-to for that. Um, you're going to have to go around. You're going to have to look. Um, at some of the various vendors. Uh, occasionally we definitely have found, uh, there are some of those comic book page bins. They have those there if you're looking for anything like that. Um, some of them have some really great bargains and it could be something that you could do almost as a triptych to put up. But if you're looking for that big, colorful, like poster-like art, some of it, if you're not looking for necessarily um, like literal art from the comics, like you're like, I want this panel or I want this cover, um, even some of the covers you probably could, I would follow up with the artists. Some of the artists do sell some of their prints separately or definitely visit Artist Alley when you go to a con. A lot of the artists there are really high caliber. Even if they're not working on a current book right now, a lot of them do have prints. And a lot of them, like the ones who are working currently right now, have prints of things that they have done because they want to sell those. So I would definitely, definitely check those out because a lot of times since it's their art, they don't put the logo on it. They just have their art there. So I'd definitely check that out. I think it's a really good place to start. Um, otherwise, there's a couple of comic book communities out there, uh, people who have collections and they're looking to sell some things off. Um, not a bad place to look. Uh, I would avoid places like eBay, just because you don't know if it's authentic, you don't want to pay an arm or leg for that because like you said, original art is very expensive and then to find out it's not even authentic is pretty much the worst. Um, but I definitely would check that out. Thank you so much for that question. Um, Sam Anderson, thank you so much again for another super chat saying, weird how Batman didn't kill anyone in this. <laughs> in light of uh, recent um, new stuff, uh, that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's it's a fair, it's a fair comment. It's a fair, fair comment. Um, also, if anyone else has any hidden treasure troves of where else that you buy your comic book art for display, feel free to throw it into the chat. Um, I definitely, ooh, hey, I got another one. Mondo. Go check out Mondo. They do limited runs of absolutely stunning, stunning posters. They do a lot of stuff for Marvel and for DC. They recently did a whole bunch of Spider-Verse stuff. Go check them out. TMNT, all that stuff. Beautiful, beautiful art. You got to be on top of it though sometimes because they do run out really, really quickly. There's even a um, another booth and I can't remember their name. But they were at New York Comic Con. We have a couple of their prints. Beautiful prints. Just beautiful, high quality prints. No logos on them. Just stunning. I wish I could remember the name of them. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Um, I'm going to jump into a couple of recommendations. I tried to pull some stuff I thought Sal would recommend, including Justice League Never 21, written by Scott Snyder with art by Jorge Jimenez. Sal has been singing the praises of this book since it came out. He's really digging what Snyder is doing um, with uh, with the whole Justice League here. He's got a whole a whole storyline going on here, and we've got to enjoy Snyder while we can, because my understanding is Snyder is going to be busy in a little bit with another wee little babby. So, you know, we'll see how much Snyder can pile onto himself at that point, but this is going to be Snyder right now at the top of his game, so you might want to check that out. Um, I'm also going to say that both of us would probably recommend The War 
of Realms, number one, written by Jason Aaron. Um, this is it. Jason Aaron's been leading up to this whole thing. Whether you like what he's doing over there with Avengers or not, this is where we're going. The War of the Realms. We're back to really what Aaron seems to love the most, which is Thor. We're dealing with the realms. We're going to go. I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Um, regardless, the War of the Realms, by the way, is going to have like a thousand variants. So if you're if you're a variant fan, this one's for you guys. This one is for you. Uh, so go check that out. Um, also from Snyder, Conan. Conan, the Barbarian, number five, written by Jason Aaron, um, is going to be coming out as well. A gorgeous, gorgeous Assad Ribic cover on this one yet again. Um, it, again, we're do, dealing with King Conan and the Crimson Witch. If you didn't check out Conan the Barbarian number four, I highly recommend that one. We're really seeing King Conan in like dealing with being a king and how it's not all it's cracked up to be. So I'm loving this series. I'm also going to be giving a shot uh, uh, to uh, Section Zero, number one by Image Comics, uh, written by Carl Kessel. I'm going to check it out. It's a mini-series. Um, looks like it's a six-part mini-series. They're basically touting it as Jack Kirby does the X-Files. I'm totally going to give it a try. I'll let you guys know what I thought about it. Um, also from Image, you can check out Die Number 5. If you're a Kieran Gillen fan, this has got to be for you. If you're a D&D &D fan, you got to check this out. Um, it's Jumanji and D&D, &D, just all sick and twisted. There it is. Um, <clears throat> I also want to mention that The Dreaming Number 8 will be coming out. It's going to be the second part of that story from The Dreaming Number 7, which Dreaming Number 7 was my favorite issue of The Dreaming so far, so I can't wait to read this one. And just as a laugh, as a lark, as just something funny to say aloud, I just want to let you guys know, I'm not recommending it, but Major X Number 1 is coming out. It's written by Rob Liefeld. With art by Rob Liefeld. So, that's coming out from Marvel. Who is Major X? We're going to find out. So, there you go, guys. That has been Off the Rack. Um, thank you very, very much for hanging out with us. Uh, don't forget to head on over to the channel where you can catch Good, Bad, and Ugly. We just did one on Spider-Man and his happy endings, which just sounds horrible. But there it is. <laughs> Um, if you are joining us after the fact, uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe to those of you who are hung out with us today. Thanks for all your super chats and your general conversation. You guys are amazing. So much fun. Thanks for putting up with a one-person stream. Super appreciate it. And those who are listening to us um, after the fact um, on podcast stuff, hello, welcome. Thanks for listening to us. And to all those new from Spotify, hi, how you doing? We have a YouTube channel over at uh, youtube.com slash comicpop. Uh, you can come out and hang out with us. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. I will see you probably on Wednesday. I might be doing an off the rack. We'll try to figure it out. We'll try to figure it out. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to be doing. But otherwise, if nothing else, Back Issues is still coming out Wednesday night into early Thursday. So I'll see you guys then. Have a great evening, everybody. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye.